Hello and welcome to the Crisis Point Podcast. I'm Rob Dinsmore. In my last um, session, I spoke a little bit about some of the challenges that I think face us as a church. I think I've been thinking since that time of challenges that face us as human beings. I love returning to this idea because we are all human. You know, it's nothing complicated about it. And on top of that is we have to make some sense in our own lives of the reality around us, the situation we're in. On the one hand, we have this pandemic, which is kind of slowing down globally, but actually might be accelerating. We're not quite sure. We know the impact of that on our lives, on the lives of those we love. On the other hand, we have this really traumatic outbreak of uh, just a, a, a social demographic rupture that is uh, the expression of the Black Lives Matter movement. Really an expression of so much uh, intrinsically historical wrong and racial prejudice that cries out for justice. We as human beings inevitably have to deal with these things as facts in and of ourselves in who we are as individuals. And for Christians, that means the individuals that God created and the individuals that God is currently transforming. By transforming, I, I'm literally drawing on the Apostle Paul's language out of his letters, the idea that we are being changed to be not just better, but to be more in the image of Jesus Christ. And this is a good thing because... Jesus for us is the ideal of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. More than that, he is the physical connection between us and God. Without him, there is no, there's no thinking about eternal life. There's no thinking about uh, overcoming wrongdoings, historical wrongdoings, overcoming evil, sin, hatred, anger. I've been listening to some old friends of mine, some professors who've been discussing Karl Barth uh, online. And it is uh, Karl Barth, somebody that I have studied in theology and can you continue to read. He's, a, he's, an, he's, he's an incredibly important figure for us and actually for the time in which we live. He gave some, of, some key lectures in 1946, uh, you know, in, in, in Germany at a time when there was so much evidence of destruction around him. And he gave a series of lectures that began in a bombed-out church. Literally, there were rafters and beams hanging from the ceiling and, and, no, and no roof to, to cover um, the speakers as they sat there. They had these lectures at 7.30 in the morning because construction crews were coming later in the day to to carry on repairs. His focus at that time was reminding his listeners and the church and anybody who would listen that faith is more than a feeling. Faith is more than a feeling. And this is so critical for our time because each of us in ourselves, in the way that we're handling this crisis, are 
replete with the spectrum of feelings. And grief, as we know, has a spectrum of feelings unto itself, from anger to to feelings of loss, disconnect, outrage. And we may be feeling grief over a number of things, many of of whom we, we might not be able to put a name to until weeks, months, or years after this experience. Faith is not fundamentally grounded in feelings, particularly in a time where we're struggling. You know, I think of endurance athletes who are uh, trained incredibly well and put so much effort in their training on the day of competition, have been trying to prepare their bodies and prepare their minds for the kind of pain and suffering that they're going to endure in their bodies. And if they were to listen to their feelings, they would stop short of the finish line. We are called to endure as human beings. That Some of the most beautiful human stories I've known are stories of endurance in the face of suffering, in the face of oppression, in the face of ongoing trial. We are called to endure, and feelings, while sometimes helpful, often trick us. They trick us from reaching out to other people who are in need. They trick us from valuing ourselves as God values us. They trick us into thinking that we are the most important things in creation and that our thoughts and our feelings and our ideas trump everyone else's. It's at times like these I'm reminded that it's helpful to look at the facts around us as we sit in Karl Barth's church and we look at the rafters falling down around us. The fundamental truth is there is a God. And God sent his son Jesus Christ in the flesh to live with us, to endure hardship, to love, and to die, and then to be resurrected in a way, killing death forever. We as Christians know that death is not the end because of Jesus Christ, that there is eternal life that waits for us. And the goods of eternal life, the, the, the joy, the happiness, the, the, the triumph of God's love actually begin now. They begin today. If we were to be slaves to our feelings, we'd lose sight of that fact. One of the uh, theologians I love reading the most is a, is a guy named Leslie Newbegin, who is a missionary in India. Some years ago, he's since passed away. And one of the things he talked about in terms of faith was to contradict locating our faith in feelings. And, and if you're not a Christian, you know, this can apply to you in terms of the faith that you might have in family or the faith that you might have in your job or the faith that you might have in health or your neighbor or uh, raising your kids or faith in, in starting your car in the morning. All of these things, proper faith is not grounded in feeling. It's grounded in faithfulness. And it's faithfulness in a God that moves beyond our feeling, 
that defines us outside of our own limitations. And that is an incredibly beautiful and an incredibly powerful thing, and it's incredibly freeing. It's also a gift. You know, we make much of the decision that we have to make as human beings to follow God. And actually, you know, in Scripture, it tells us that faith is a gift. It's a gift from God. It's a gift from Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome all boundaries, all odds, all of our feelings to the contrary. To overcome these things and say, you are loved. Your life is ever so valuable beyond what you feel and beyond what others may feel about you. Leslie Newbegin called this reality the datum. Now, we often talk about data as facts or information. If you're in, uh, if you're in computer work or programming, this is, this is data coded in ones and zeros that, that creates a coded language by which um, you know, software infrastructures work. For in the world around us, for researchers, that's, that's data gathered from research or uh, from libraries. Leslie Newbegin takes this idea and says, actually, everything we need to know is located in one datum, one piece of information that trumps all other pieces of information. And that piece of information has a name. He's a person. His name is Jesus Christ. Regardless of where you are in this season, you need to hear words of encouragement. In this tidal wave of feelings that so many of us are experiencing, there's the datum of faith from Jesus Christ and faith in Jesus Christ. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's okay because it's a gift from God. If you're curious, and this sounds enticing to you, it sounds comforting to you, ask questions. Get in touch with me. You're bound to know somebody who has faith. Talk to them. Get a, get a handle on what drives their life. Guys, I, I leave you with my prayers that, that you are well, that you stay well, and that you have the peace of Jesus Christ in your lives. And may God's love be with you this day and forevermore. Amen.